With round one in the books, Luke and I reflect on our predictions on what we got right and wrong. We will give our second round predictions on the remaining four matchups. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Black and White Podcast. And I'm with here, I'm here with my co-host Luke. So let's talk a little bit about round one. Um, we did uh in the last video we did uh you know a set of predictions it was a little bit more casual uh but behind the scenes luke and i ended up uh doing a point tally here uh so let's explain that a little bit before we go luke you want to talk a little bit about the point tally that we had here since it was your idea (laughs) oh thank you (laughs) i think uh just to reward each other for getting the, the right team and the right games we gave ourselves three points so if we got the team right and the, the length of the series right, we got three points. If you got the team right, you got one point, and then we got zero for everything else. So, you know, looking back on it, I think we did reasonably well. Um, telling the points, I picked Philly in five, Brooklyn in five. Those were both correct, so I got three points for each. Then I also picked the Nuggets, the Bucks, and the Suns correctly, so I got one point for each of those. So that means I got nine points. Have been on the other hand, picked the Brooklyn's in five and Nuggets in six. So good on him for that. And so you got six for that. And then you got Philly right and Utah right. So he ended up with eight. So that means I am the winner of round one here. The Nostradamus of basketball. (laughs) I can predict things really well. I'm really, I'm still bitter about that Philly pick. I told you about that. That should have been in four. Stupid Washington. Who (laughs) expected them? As I'm wearing a Washington Gilbert Arenas jersey, let the people know that. Let the record show. Um, Yeah, I definitely thought Philly was going to sweep that, sweep them out of the gym, but unfortunately, they couldn't do that. Got me that one point. Biggest, I think that was the big difference there. But like you said, I think we did really well. I think we did excellent in terms of uh, considering it was just casual at first. We kind of just shoot, shot our shot there. Um, I think really well done from both of us. You did get the win, get the edge, but I will get you back in round two. I think we'll just do a reset uh, and we'll do round two uh, uh, when we get there. Um, in terms of uh, the series overall and all these games, do you have any closing thoughts? I know you have some thoughts on the Suns. We got to talk about the Suns and Lakers because I think that's one of the more interesting headlines. So let's 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 start there. Let's talk about the Suns and the Lakers. Um, AD. I think uh, 80s uh, lack of presence, I should say, uh, you know, I think uh, I'm not going to not going to make excuses for L.A. Um, think, but I you, you have to say AD being the second all star on that team and going down uh, multiple times, multiple games, uh, uh, really, in this case, uh, uh, you know, really determined on the Lakers future in the playoffs here with LeBron being pretty lethargic as well. Um, you know, what, what went wrong for the Lakers uh, and what went right for your sons here? Yeah, well, I think, I mean, ultimately I picked the sons before Andy's injuries happened. So my um, comfort level and them winning with a healthy AD was already high with sons and six or seven. I think I said, I think I said seven sons and seven um, sons and seven, and they ended up winning six. So, I mean, with an injured AD that, that just, you know, sort of, puts that series to bed almost. I mean, it was relatively close all the way through, but I mean, I think the biggest thing that comes out of this is how much slander we're giving a a man who's 37 or 38, 37, 38, playing some amazing basketball. Chris Paul. Uh, Right. Um, But I mean, it's, you know, his injury in the first game was 
you know, worrisome in itself, but fighting through that and obviously his shots started falling near the end uh, was of utmost importance, but also the Devin Booker playing the point guard in previous years has come to uh, usefulness now because then he's like your second backup point guard and you're not as worried. And Cameron Payne, again, I said before how Chicago said, there's an assistant coach from Chicago who said he was a terrible player and would never play in the NBA. And he potentially saved the series, you know, you know, if he wasn't there, then the Suns might have fallen apart because it's not a second true point guard running team. Right. But, I mean, for the Lakers, I mean, LeBron is is an amazing athlete, an amazing player, even even though he's, like, old. And, I mean, how often would we slander Tim Duncan, Dirk Nowitzki, you know, those guys when they played for their teams? You know, it's, it's kind of interesting to see the dynamic that people take when it's someone who maybe is – potentially one of the best, if not the best of all time, uh, you're, you're either with them or against them. It's, it's no one in the middle, it seems. Um, but, you know, I think the better team won without the injuries. With the injuries, it just makes uh, that gap even bigger, I think, for, mm-hmm. for my opinion. Obviously, maybe I'm a little bit biased in terms of being a fan of the winning team. Uh, but I do think that the, the gap was a bit too much for one person to cover. You know, you need... You need more support from all those other players. But, I mean, a lot of the Lakers players, they tried to fill all those gaps with guys that were shells of their former self. Mark Marcus, Wesley Matthews, you know, very few <clears throat> up-and-coming players are currently in their prime trying to cover those gaps. And, I mean, I think that's a recipe for disaster for a lot of teams. And that's certainly the case for the Lakers. And we'll talk about our players, other teams moving forward, but that's going to be their recipe for disaster soon. I think. Yeah, I'm I'm in complete uh, agreement uh, with Derek, especially about the injuries. That's part of the, you know, that's just part of the game. That's the nature of the game. The Lakers knew what they were doing when they got AD and they knew his injury history. Um, so they, they knew that, you know, something like this could very well occur uh, where he does go down. Uh, he is, he's pretty, uh, we call him the glass man. It's very, you know, it's very easy for him to go down, unfortunately. Uh, which sort of, uh, I'll ask you this question too, before we move on, but I mean, what, what, what happens next to the Lakers, you know, with LeBron aging LeBron, uh, you know, his, uh, I'd say steadily decline. I think we're starting to see a decline of LeBron here. Um, what happens to the Lakers? What happens to LeBron? Does LeBron just, you know, stay with the Lakers? Is he content with the championships he has? And the, you know, the question comes, can, you know, again, can you build around AD as being the main man on a team? Uh, talent wise, I don't think there's an argument there. I think talent wise, he has uh, incredible talent. The problem is longevity is his injury history. You know, you want to have, I'd rather have, you know, a decent superstar or a decent star uh, who's at least I'm going to know is going to be there game in game out. Whereas AD is just way too kind of inconsistent here. What are your thoughts on that? Uh, I think, you know, we talk about declines and we talk about players, you know, going into their retirement years. Uh, retirement LeBron is still a really good LeBron. So I'm not agreed. Too worried 100% about, agreed. Yeah, I'm not too worried about his talent in that regard. But I do think that he need a third person because, you know, as you say, LeBron's not going to be there for the next 15 years. He's probably going to be retired in the next five for sure. Waiting for Bronny. <laughs> Yeah, waiting until he gets drafted and he's going to retire the day after. Yeah, but I mean, it's uh, I do think they need a better point guard. I think like if they can get 
I know Damian Lillard's name has been tossed around there. I know they're going to try and keep him in Portland, you know, a Bradley Beal, uh, someone like that, like a guard. I think that they need one desperately. I think Dennis um, Schroeder didn't really play the role they thought he would. You know, in the last game five, I think, or game six, one of the two, he had like zero points and no no real impactful play. I think that's the ultimate detriment to the team is there's a lot of those types of players that don't make impacts uh, for extended periods of time. And you're going to need that second, third player to make impacts at all times of the game. Mm. Uh, so I think that ultimately that's what they need is that that third guard. We don't need a, they don't need a third big, a third wing. Mm-hmm. They need that th- that third player to be a guard, and that way they can sort of balance out the offense. Because um, far too many teams have two really good wings and, and no good centers, no good guards, and that's the problem with their team. Like Washington, two great guards, not very many good bigs, not very many good wings. You could see the the imbalance in their and their uh, starting five imbalance in their bench, you know, Clippers as well, two great wings, um, imbalance everywhere else. You know, I think you need to find that balance. Like the Bucks, I think they have great balance in their lineup. Right. Great guards, great wings, you know, it really helps in the long run. So it'll be interesting to see what they do. I think a fire sale might be, might be coming forward. Yeah. You know? Yeah, definitely. Um, And we'll, maybe that's uh, a fun thing that we're going to do too, as well as, uh, play around with the old trade machine. <laughs> See if we can get a realistic trade going for some of these teams uh, that do need it. That would be kind of fun to do or something like that. Um, so <laughs> let's move on to the other series that we wanted to talk a little bit more about, which literally just ended about 10 minutes ago or less than 10 minutes ago. Uh, Mavericks and Clippers going to uh, the pivotal game seven. Uh, Clippers finishing this off, though, uh, 126 to 111. Uh, from the Mavericks standpoint, uh, we have, in this case, the main man, uh, the guy I think a lot of people love, uh, the White Hope, Luka Doncic, uh, with a near triple-double of 46 uh, points, 14 assists, and 7 rebounds. Uh, next man in line, we sort of had an argument here, but I think it's going to be Dorian uh, Finney-Smith, which is a bit of a concern that I'm saying that name, and I'm not saying uh, a guy like KP, which we'll talk a little bit about in this series. Uh, but Dorian had about 18 points, 10 rebounds. Uh, Boban, again, another guy we talked a little bit about with 14 and 10. Uh, Persinga, 16 and 11. Decent uh, for a regular guy, but uh, KP's not a regular guy. Uh, and from the Clippers' end, uh, standpoint here, we had Kawhi Leonard with a near triple-double of 28, 10 rebounds, 9 assists. 9 assists, pretty impressive uh, for a guy like Kawhi, expanding his game there uh, from the assist category. Uh, and uh, Marcus Morris Sr. with 23 points, five rebounds, and Pandemic P, Paul George, with a near triple-double with 22 points, uh, 10 assists, uh, and six rebounds. Maybe let's start with the Mavericks. Where did it go wrong in this series? I think it's you're relying so much on one person every single game. <clears throat> I think that's they'll be tough to replicate in four games, let alone seven, um, you know. 46, 14, 7, as you say. Great stat line, but when everyone else is throwing out duds, I don't think he has the has a chance. You know, I think, you know, if you're going to have Chris Esprzingis be your highest-paid player, he should play like a highest-paid player, not like the sixth man off the bench, the, the third dependable kind of guy, or the, you know, whatever. Like, right now, he's a unicorn, but in a bad way, which is... Unfortunate, 
but it'll be interesting to see what they do. Like, obviously, they have a great player, a star player, but if your second best player is Dorian Finney Smith, that's a bit concerning for anybody. <laughs> like, a true fan or not, I'd be concerned that my, my second best player is Dorian Finney Smith. Um, Boban barely played with the Spurs, and now he's like your best big. That shouldn't be the case when you have, you know, Chris Tesprasingas there, you know, Matsy Kleber, Dwight Powell. Like, those guys should all be at least in line or better than Boban. No offense to Boban, but, like, you know, he's got he's got one big thing for him, and that's his height. Um, for me, that's, that's a bit scary. I think that the Mavericks need to look for people to fill in those gaps quickly. Because if they're going to stay with this roster moving forward, you're going to get the same results over and over again. You're going to waste, you know, potentially one of the best players of all time is his prime. You're going to waste it. And then you just lost out on potentially multiple championships. Mm -hmm. You can build around him versus just wasted away. Mm -hmm. We'll see. It'll be interesting to see what happens. Uh, I give credit to the Clippers as well. I know at the beginning of the, the, the series, we both read on how bad the Clippers were. And how they would just fall apart and you know lose this. You know, it wouldn't be the Mavs winning; it would be the Clippers losing. Um, you know, for the first home team to win a game this series, I think the Clippers probably deserve it. And how much they fought for it in the end. You know, winning what three of the last four games, I think is that right? Something like um, that. Yeah. <clears throat> it'll be interesting, but uh, like I said, they have an imbalance in their roster. They just they faced a team that had no roster, and that was really the difference. So I think it'll be interesting to see what happens in the next series when they're facing a team that is very balanced very in all parts. Complete, of it. yeah, they're complete. Yeah, the Utah so. Jazz are a very complete team. Um, yeah, the Mavericks a uh, little bit disappointed as well. Uh, I'm sure, they are more than anybody else, uh, especially with the disrespect the Clippers had. Right, you know, sort of, you know. Uh, wanting them they wanted they wanted the uh maverick so bad that i think they went down and i think they were second at some point third went down to want to play mavericks so for the mavericks who are doing really well in this series i'm sure you know that was sort of on the back of their mind so to lose to the clippers probably hurts just a little bit more as well um yeah kp is the guy for me i just kept on talking about who i was really disappointed with because uh i uh, i had mentioned it to a few of my friends if you had like a even a prime Chris Bosch with that pick and roll with uh, with Doncic, I, I don't even think the series goes seven games. I think it probably goes six for Mavs. So even a decent superstar mm-hmm. for the Mavericks over uh, Doncic, like with Doncic, I'm sorry, in that pairing with uh, Mavericks, especially someone that's a very good pick and pop guy or pick and roll sort of guy. I think Mavericks wins that pretty easily. So uh, I think a lot of the summer, uh, is going to be focused on whether KP can be the guy with the Mavericks or uh, do they look for a trade? Do they stay patient with them? Who knows? Um, uh, but uh, if the Mavericks are thinking about, you know, wanting to pair someone with Doncic and looking uh, ahead to the playoffs and not just trying to get, you know, trying uh, to be knocked out in the first round, um, they might have to make moves. What do you think about that? I would agree. I mean, I mean it's, I mean, every time you lose, you're always going to look for how do I solve this losing because I don't want to do it again. Um, I mean, I think you have to find players that sort of fit the roles well. And right now, I think they have too many uh, bigs that like to float around. Um, Maxi Kleber, 
Christos Rosingas. They love to float around. They don't really play the big role. Mm-hmm. And if you're going to float around on the outside, you may as well get a good wing. You know, I think about, you know, if you switch Paul George with Christos Rosingas, who wins the series, we both make fun of how bad Paul George can be in the playoffs and mm-hmm. you make fun of Christos Rosingas. I think the Mavs win in five if you swap. That's a strong, for George. strong prediction, yeah. Right? Yeah. It's things like that. Like, obviously, if you switch Kawhi with Chris Hats, it's a, it's a four-game series, probably. <laughs> right? But, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, Honestly. It's, things, it's things like that. Like, I know Laurie Markkinen wants to join the Mavs. I, I hear he wants to get traded there. Wow. You know, create, create a European team. Well, may as well at this point. But that wouldn't solve anything with the, the bigs floating around the three-point line. Yeah. You know? It's one thing to be a big that can shoot. It's another thing to be a big who floats. Um, you know, if, you, if you're a big that can shoot, you're, you're a threat. If you're a big that floats, you're up, just a big guard doing nothing. Right. right. You need to be able to be able to do both parts of that role, like get inside, get outside. It's perfect, but we'll see. I think yeah. I think, I think think they'll keep Brzingis just because of that, of what they had to give up to get him. All those I pieces. Agree. But... They're not going to get yeah, much value from him right now, anyways, right? Like, how, how are you going to trade someone that's lost exactly most of his value right now? So they're going to have to build them up in some way. Yeah, um, they'll, they'll need to find that, that yeah. uh, wing that fits that role. A little yeah, better. yeah, strong wing. So that's going to end round one for our predictions. As I said, uh, as we wanted to conclude here, Luke wins nine to eight, close one. Uh, so, woo! Congratulations, Luke, on the round one predictions there. Uh, let's move uh, seemingly into round two. Uh, we're going to, in the same format, give our predictions, sort of talk about the matchups that have already happened. As I said before, there have already been two games uh, that have occurred. Uh, so we'll talk a little bit about them, talk about uh, the last four, you know, the four series coming up here as well. Uh, so without further ado, uh, let's start with the Bucks and the Nets. I'm not going to go over it because it uh, did happen yesterday, but the Basically, the Nets beat the Bucks in this case, 115 to 107. I think this series is going to be a very interesting one. Um, it can go in. It, it just feels like it can go in so many directions and so many routes. Um, these are, we'd probably say, out of the you know the top three teams in the East, probably the two super uh, the two superpowers. Uh, you know, Philly. You know, Philly being the number one team, but I, I just had a feeling that I, for me at least, is that um, whoever wins the series, I think. I'm going to go bold here, but whoever wins the series wins the NBA finals. I think this, this is how crazy I'm thinking here. Um, but yeah, the Nets win this one, uh, but this is, this is going to be a boxing match uh, in my opinion. So what do you think about this series, Luke? Yeah, I do. I do think it'll be a, I think it'll be a close one. I think it goes seven games. Um, just watching the first game, the way the Bucks were working the pick and roll, uh, I think is something to look out for because if they can, start to exploit that more and more you know when durant was guarding lopez he stayed far too long with the the guard and let lopez get deep inside and get easy dunks you know and when you have a john jordan or claxton out there they don't want to switch that anyways and so it makes it awkward uh so if they can figure out if the bucks can figure out how to exploit that a little bit i think that they'll win the series and in my heart of hearts i think they will figure that out and they'll, they'll continue to exploit a little bit more you know, that being said, to have three stars on your team makes it hard regardless of how you play. So the Bucks need to play a near-perfect series, but I think they will, and they'll win in seven. 
as my prediction. Yeah, solid prediction there. I'm going to go with the Nets in six. I think the NBA, if we're talking basketball in general, uh, basketball is a team game. So I can see where the Bucks. that's sort of where uh, my conflict comes in because when I think about basketball as a game, I feel like there's a lot, it's much more team oriented. But again, when we think about basketball and we think about the NBA, when you have three of the best four players in this series, um, that that gets you somewhere and that gets you pretty far. I mean, these guys, uh, this isn't their first rodeo. I'm talking about the Nets. Uh, I mean, uh, as players, Harden has been in the playoffs quite a bit, you know, has, hasn't got to the big dance, uh, but has shown, uh, definitely has shown flashes. We know Kyrie has made it to the finals with LeBron, has experience. And of course, we have KD with, uh, with championship experience as well. Um, so I, I think the Nets will prove too much. We made these predictions. We made these predictions beforehand. Uh, before the series occurred um uh so um yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna keep it i'm gonna keep it real i'm gonna keep it the same let's go uh nets and six but we're gonna be watching this one closely it can it can uh it can go in many different ways uh, let's mm-hmm. talk about the other game that occurred actually today uh at 12 o'clock uh at home was philly however it didn't go the way they wanted to uh and i'm sure a lot of people didn't expect to this too uh, but with the final score being 128 to 124 for the Hawks, you heard that right, guys. The Hawks steal Game One in Philly. Um, so again, you know your your thoughts on this on this series overall, and maybe this game uh, specifically too, Luke. Certainly. Well, I think it's. Uh, I mean, on paper, it looks like a mismatch in all areas. Like mm-hmm. you know, Philly looks to be the the monster, and the Hawks look like the little brother that comes into the room but i mean obviously seeing t- or today's game hawks wing it out but you could definitely see their youth in the last like one to two minutes and turn the ball over not being able to handle the pressure um you know and looking at the stats i think um ben simmons missed more three throws in this game than the entire hawks team did and that's ultimately your recipe for disaster or your recipe for success, depending on who you're looking at. But I mean, Hawks being 20 for 21 uh, on the three-throw line is, is quite impressive. So to me, is that, uh, are you able to replicate that? I'm not sure. And if you can't replicate that because the game's so close, you know, that could be the difference. Um, I do I do think that Ben Simmons will, if he claims he's the best defensive player in the league, he should play better on Trey Young, whoever he's guarding, and make it difficult. Uh, and so I, I expect that to, to change a little bit. I don't expect the Hawks to make 95% of their three throws. Um, so I, I said Philly in five, uh, and I'll stay with that um, just because, um, you know, even though I saw the game, and I know it means that the Philly has to win four, but they already won four in a row the previous series, right? And so I think that they can win five, um, but it would be tough. You know, I wouldn't be surprised if this went six, uh, wouldn't even be surprised if we went seven just because the Hawks surprised us in the first series, right? We both said that they would be, you know, seven games, I think. I know I said for sure Knicks and seven, um, you know, and the Hawks won five. They have the most dynamic guard in the series. And so if you have one of those guys, it's it's never a question if you if you win. You know, it's just whether or not the other team can defend you better. Mm-hmm. So so I'll say, I'll say uh, Philly and five. Yeah. Yeah. Um... Yeah, I'm gonna give Hawks a little bit more respect, but I'm not getting, I'm not not giving them the win, or I'm not gonna give them the win of the series. 
I think the 76ers uh, will win it in six. And the reason I had it in the back of my mind was something like this happening. I didn't expect it to happen right off the bat. thought Atlanta maybe would steal the second game, but to steal the first game really sets the, uh, the tone for the rest of the series, at least. Um, Philly, Philly need to wake up uh, quick, fast and quick because they don't want to be too down going back to Atlanta where Atlanta would only maybe just need to split uh, going back to home. So there's a lot of things uh, in my mind going on here, but I do feel like 76ers will get it together. Uh, hopefully Embiid's health. Uh, again, one of the things I'm a little bit worried about that we can talk a little bit more about in this in this series and just Philly in general is, uh, is Tobias Harris being the second best player and not Ben Simmons when, say, Embiid does go down for, with his health. Uh, it seems like Tobias is stepping up a little bit more than Ben uh, Benny here, where Ben Ben Simmons needs to needs to be the definitive second guy for me for Philly to get really far and comfortable. That's my opinion. What do you think about that? I uh, that that opinion. No, I wouldn't disagree. I think Tobias is is a really good player. Um, I think yeah, not to sometime... hate on Tobias. He's a great player, but he's a good <laughs> third guy, probably third, fourth guy on your you know on your team. I don't. I wouldn't expect him to be a second best player, but maybe it's the skill sets well. as well. Well, if you're a championship team, I think Tobias is your third or fourth best player. And I think that's the difference. That's the caveat here is I don't think Philly is a championship team. Uh, and, and maybe that's why he's your second best player, right? Um, I think that Ben Simmons should understand his role and he should understand what he needs to work on. People have been saying often is, you know, they give Giannis, uh, you know, a, a giveaway because he can't shoot. They give Ben Simmons a giveaway because he can't shoot. You know, maybe it works during the season, but obviously you can see now that if you can't shoot in the NBA, you can't shoot well, you can't shoot consistently, your team doesn't do well. Ultimately, when you're facing teams that are good at it, right? Mm -hmm. uh, if Ben Simmons can't shoot, your defense changes. Like the Hawks defense in this case changes. It makes things easier to guard on the low post your best player. Long beat, right? And so guys who can shoot like Tobias Harris need to step up. And I mean, that's that's the case. He obviously did well enough. Um, but you know, Ben Simmons needs to be a threat everywhere on the floor. And if he can't shoot, then at least be able to be a threat to pass at all times. And I'll make them play up against you. Don't allow them to dictate how you play offense, dictate how they play defense. Uh, and obviously in that first game. It didn't really happen until the last two minutes, and that's when the Hawks' youth showed up, right? And I think that that's the difference in the series is will it be the youth or will it be their defense? You know, whichever shines is what will cause the series to go one way or the other. If their youth shines, then Philly wins easy. If their defense shines, then I think the Hawks win. Yeah, fair yeah. enough, fair enough. Um, so to just to make sure we're clear about this, we're both going 76ers. Phil's going, or um, uh, Luke is going to go uh, five, uh, and I'm going to go uh, 76ers in six. Uh, we have two more series left to go. Um, next one we're going to talk about. Uh, the game is happening tomorrow, 9 p.m. Central. You got the Nuggets versus thy sons. The Suns make it to the second round. Can you believe it? And they're going up against Jokic's Nuggets here. Um, couple, you know, uh, this is going to be a, another really interesting uh, series. I think uh, the Nuggets getting past Portland—that was a—that almost felt like a, 
almost like a semifinals or a conference finals uh, feel to it. Not necessarily, you know, the talent on the teams, but uh, Portland losing in the first round to, you know, I think both teams were very worthy. So to see, you know, them versus against, in this case, the Suns, uh, it's interesting to see where this may go. Again, this could go, you know, multiple avenues here. Um, will Jokic be, you know, uh, one of the matchups I'm curious with is Jokic and Aiton. Uh, we've seen Aiton uh, uh, handle AD, you know, when he was on the court, to be fair. You know, uh, Aiton really stepped up uh, for, the, for the Suns in the big category. But with Jokic presents a way different uh, skill set. Um, it's not, you know, not Jokic doesn't necessarily have to drop 30 points uh, for a team to succeed. Uh, he has incredible playmaking skills. So that's one matchup I'm really curious for. The problem is the Nuggets are still, I believe, uh, you can correct me if I'm wrong, I think they're still missing Jamal Murray. Uh, so that point guard category is terrifying. They don't have, I'm sorry, but Austin Rivers cannot <laughs> cannot save you uh, in this series versus uh, Chris Paul. Chris Paul's going to run circles around that man. Um, so these matchups, these sort of, and then you, of course you also have Booker. Uh, you know, going against in this case, um, probably probably the matchup front court between maybe, you know, uh, Michael Porter G, uh, Jr. on defense or uh, someone defensively on him, too, as well. So overall thoughts on this series, Luke? Yeah, I mean, uh, I'm going to be biased a little bit, but I also <laughs> think that my bias has uh, validity. I think that if Jamal Murray is playing this series, I think it goes a far different direction than what I think it will go now. Um, like you say, I think uh, Chris Paul, Devin Booker, who's really going to guard both of those guys? You know, it's going to be maybe Michael Porter Jr., as you say, but then who's next? It's Austin Rivers, uh, Facundo Campazzo. 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 Like, <laughs> I don't know. That's that's difficult. I mean, they, they handled themselves against Portland, who also had two really good guards. Good point. Um, I think the difference is, I think Aiton is a better defender than uh, Nurkic and Cantor away from the hoop. Mm -hmm. And I think when you watch the, the Blazers series, Nurkic wasn't even the one that guarded Jokic often. It was uh, Robert Covington. And I think that was the difference because Covington doesn't block uh, Jokic's passing lanes, his vision, so those passing lanes. Whereas I think Aiton will and can, and he's able to guard away from the hoop. I think that is ultimately the difference. Like, like when they play, uh, played, like I think they played like seven times this year. And I think Aiton and Jokic's stats were very similar other than the assists uh, each time they played. And I know that Jokic has said that Aiton's the hardest person he's had to play against this year, uh, just as a one-on-one -on -one, uh, case. And so I think that it's interesting. And then I think Bridges will guard uh, Michael Porter Jr., you know, length against length, right? Then that leaves Crowder, that leaves Paul and Booker to pick the next best three guys. And, you know, no offense to the Nuggets, Monte Morris, you know, their Facundo, there's no <laughs> chance that they're Baku <laughs> Exactly. They, they don't really have a chance to no. defend Booker and Chris Paul as, as the, you know, those third and fourth defensive options. That's difficult because then that leaves Jay Crowder to be guarded by their fifth guy. And, you know, I just think there's too many what ifs around the court. I think Jamal Murray, if he plays, again, I think it's a different series. But because he's not playing, I think it's the Suns and Six.
Yeah. And I'm reasonably comfortable with that, but I could see it going seven as well. Yeah, that's uh, a fair enough point here. Um, that makes me want to change my pick so bad, but I'll, I'll keep it. I'll keep it. I'll keep, I'll keep my pick the way it is. So I initially had the nuggets or I will keep it. I'll keep it real. I have the nuggets in six. Um, the only for the only thing for me for sons is from a matchup standpoint, I think, uh, I think they have it going. I think they have some momentum, especially beating the defending champions. Um, is this, you gotta ask, I gotta ask you this cause you're obviously you're the Suns fan, you know, um, is this the, this is the furthest Booker has gone into the playoffs and, and, uh, Aiton? they haven't got this past the, the first round. Have they? This is the first time they've been in the playoffs. So the first time they've been in the playoffs overall. Oh, even Booker. I know Aiton was, I know Aiton was, this is the first time, but Booker too. Oh, yeah. okay. I didn't know that. Um, no. Well, then the, clearly... the Suns. Last time they were, the last time they were in the playoffs was uh, 2010. Yeah, I think I think Paul's leadership will probably push them through. Um, so I'm not really convinced by my own picks nowadays, but uh, I'll keep it strong and I'll keep it Nuggets in six. <laughs> um, Booker's yeah, Booker's gonna have uh, Booker's gonna, might be the difference maker here. He's gonna have to have a really strong game. He's gonna have to be consistent with it. Um, if you know if this is a prime opportunity for them to get to the uh to the finals or you know to the western conference finals uh it has to be him you know putting the team on his back rather than chris paul and always saying well we'll see how far it goes with chris paul this is i think uh booker's prime time or this is his chance uh you know an opportunity you know to let people know that no this is not chris paul's team this is my team um uh so he i'll be interested to see his performances uh, throughout the series here. So the last series uh, in round two that we're going to be talking about today is the Jazz and the Clippers. Um, not a lot of rest for the Clippers uh, uh, to recover for this one. And we have the number one Utah Jazz, uh, I would say, dispatching uh, Memphis in five games. Utah's a little bit different uh, from the matchup that the Clippers had uh, with Doncic, you know, sort of being the sole guy there. Utah is much more of a team, uh, definitely a lot more team-oriented uh, with the big man at the helm, uh, uh, potentially the you know the best defensive player. Here he is. He's already gotten two words. Uh, we all know he's a great defender, and he will be packing that paint. Um, so it's going to be very difficult for the Clippers. Uh, we already know what Kawhi can do in the playoffs. We know what damage he does. The problem is, or the question uh, we should be asking ourselves is, can, ball, you know, can Paul George step up? Um, they're going to need uh, Paul George on a night-to-night basis, you know, to win this series. Uh, not just, you know, for the games that they win where Paul George shows up. He has to show up uh, uh, for every game. Um, so that's going to be a big question for the Clippers. Um, what are your thoughts just overall on this series as well? Yeah, well, I think I alluded to it earlier in that the, the Jazz are a very complete team, whereas the Clippers are you know, two strong wings and you say maybe even just one strong wing. Um, it'll be interesting to see because of, you'll see in the playoffs and all different types of sports where one team that, you know, sweeps or ends the series really quickly, they often lose the first game coming back because of that rust. <coughs> Jets. Um, Sorry, hockey. Yeah, well, <laughs> certainly. I'm going Jets as one. But even like the this, this year with the uh, Philly losing the first game after dispatching their opponent pretty quickly, uh, even the Bucks against the Nets. Maybe that's not necessarily just about rush, but the quality of their opponent. So 
it'll be interesting to see, but it definitely helps when the team is very complete versus one or two guys. Um, I think the Clippers needed their bench uh, today and they'll need their bench moving forward. And it'll be interesting to see how they match up against Gobert because that means he'll probably have to play Zubak a lot more than he's expected to play in the previous series. Uh, you can't necessarily go small ball all the time with, you know, Marcus Morris or Batum at the four and five. Uh, it just won't work against the Jazz. Um, I do say that, you know, Donovan Mitchell is a, is a game changer. Uh, you know, Conley being, you know, more of a savvy veteran. Uh, Gobert as the defensive player of the year. You know, those are just three of their better players. That's more impactful than a Kawhi and a Paul George, I think. Uh, so for me, I chose Jazz in six. I, I didn't even go seven with them. Uh, but it'll be interesting to see what happens in the first game because I think the first game will set the tone for what happens uh, in the future. If the Clippers actually do win that game, it might change the complexion of the whole series. Um, but I think that because of the completeness of the Jazz, I don't see them necessarily losing that game. It'll be the, the Clippers winning it, if anything. Right. Um, I'm going to go with your history that you just mentioned, and that's why I'm going to pick the Clippers, but I'm going to say the Clippers in seven this game again, or this series, I should say, uh, is going to go back and forth quite a bit. Another sort of boxing type match where uh, blows will just kind of go back and forth here. Um, that's sort of the interesting thing with playoffs as well. I see it a lot more is just the chess game that coaches play. Uh, you know, you, you just alluded to it in this series with Gobert probably going to be playing quite a lot. Um, that yeah, the Clippers are going to have to change a bit of how they play because of Gobert being in there and possibly done, you know, down to crunch time where, you know, uh, uh, Gobert might not necessarily uh, be, it might not be prudent for Gobert to be uh, during crunch time or during, you know, during that stretch um, where, you know, Utah is going to probably have to play, play that short ball to, to, to match Clippers. So uh, just in general, you can talk about it and just take it in a general context, but uh, you know, what do you think about coaches having to play chess games in the NBA, even in your own personal life as well as a coach? Uh, how much of a difference does that make uh, in the game itself? Those those little small decisions uh, and that sort of adjust. I'd say in general, the adjustment that you have to make in those games. Yeah, well, I think it's uh, it's very apparent who's a good coach and who's a bad coach in those types of games. And you can tell very quickly because of the decisions they're making. Uh, and that's sort of why I lean towards the jazz is because I think that uh, Quinn Schneider is a much better coach than Tyron Lue is uh, watching this past series with the Clippers and the, the Mavs. I found that Tyron Lue seemed lost at times, like he wasn't even paying attention to what was going on. Uh, you know, even things like the, there was a challenge call and his entire team players, assistant coaches, everyone was screaming for him to stand up and challenge that call and he's sort of like looking off into la la space like nothing's happening like he's it's almost like he's daydreaming while he's he's out there sometimes um and i think not to smash him because obviously he's one of the top coaches in the world if he's in the nba as a head coach um but when you're at that level you expect greatness um and i don't i don't, I don't think he always gives it uh, just because he's in a space where he's not necessarily always thinking uh, but again, that being said, I'll even retract a little bit in uh, game seven against the Mavs playing Terrence Mann is a very gutsy call with uh, Marcus Morris having two or three fouls. And that, that might've been the difference in the game 
was Terrence Mann playing. If Terrence Mann didn't play, I don't know if they win. You know, it changes the complexion of the first half for sure. And that means that, you know, maybe the Mavs lasted a little bit longer in the second half or even pulled off. So, you know, there, there's props and there's also issues with Tyron Lue, whereas I think Quinn Schneider is a bit more even keel. He'll make the decisions and they'll be very calculated. They won't be uh, spur of the moment, you know, passion of the game type decisions. Uh, and, yeah. and that's why that's why I say I think Quinn Schneider will win that battle, and I think that might be the battle that is the one that needs to be won. Um, you know, I don't know if he'll play into the hand of I must play small ball if the Clippers play small ball. You know, I'm I'm okay with Gobert being out there, uh, or you know, making those adjustments as need be. But you know, it, it is interesting to see. Like, you can tell how good a coach is uh, when they need to make the decisions. You know, not just having the players go out there and play. Like you could tell, like even at even at our level of basketball, you know, like high school, you could tell how bad a coach was by the decisions they were making, or how good a coach was by the decisions they were making. And you know, at those lower levels, you can see the gaps very distinctly. Whereas, as I say, the NBA, it's the top thirty to sixty coaches in the entire world. So maybe the, the gaps are smaller than um, in like lower levels, where the gaps are much larger. So. It'll be interesting to see, but I say I say Jazz and Six, as I say. Yeah, uh, solid point. So yeah, so for Luke, yeah, as you said before, um, I'm gonna go as I said before, Clippers in seven. Uh, any final thoughts, Luke, before we sign off here? I think the the playoffs are turning out to be a very interesting one, and I think COVID has played a role in it in seeing some interesting teams, seeing some interesting results. It's the first time that what is it, the Heat, Lakers. Warriors or the Spurs are not in the playoffs. It's the first time that's they have, pretty they crazy. They, they won't be in the finals in the last like twenty years or something like that. So it's it's interesting to see a different uh, group of teams, and you know, whole face the Suns, but the uh, the team that wins will be the one that deserves it because they fought through not just players but also a global pandemic. Yeah, absolutely. I'm totally in agreement. So let's leave off there for today. Thank you again, ladies and gentlemen, for listening to the Black and White Podcast. And we'll see you again. Peace. <laughs> <laughs>